Yes. So you'll do the interlude while I do it. Perfect. Awesome. And then we'll go to the beginning and do it twice and then the chorus at the end. Yeah. Okay. Well. Good. Sounds good. Well now we get we have to turn around and play a different song. Oh my goodness. You guys ready? <laughs> we can take a second. Just take a minute. You know, just shake it out, right? Breathe. Get a drink of water.
I have 16 seconds yet. You see that? <laughs> well, welcome everybody to the house of the Lord this evening as we gather together again to just celebrate his grace and his goodness, to be here, to know that he is here with us, to speak to us through his word, to touch us in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, to bless us with the gift of each other, brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, how good it is to be together, and I'm thankful that we can worship together tonight. Uh, some announcements before we dig into worship today that I wrote down here somewhere. Want to let you know that it is the third weekend of the month, and you know what we do on the third weekend of the month here at Faith? We give away our loose plate offering to a worthy charity or mission here in the valley or the world. And so tonight, all of our loose plate offerings go to an organization called Clothing Across America just resources as a conduit for a lot of folks to help get clothing to the needy. So it's a great organization. There's a man in our congregation that's quite involved in that, that uh, we um, are happy to be able to bless that organization with our third week offerings tonight. So uh, make note of that. Uh, this is the last weekend to sign up to purchase some flowers for Christmas Eve. There's a form out in the uh, on the table outside, like looks like this. If you want to order some poinsettias, uh, then we'll use them to decorate our churches for Christmas Eve. And then after Christmas Day, you can take them home and enjoy them yourself. So if you want to help us that way, that would be grand. This is the last chance. Uh, Wednesday will be the last day to get your picture taken for our church photo directory. So this is my last chance to get down on my knees and beg and plead that you would just find five minutes to make sure you get your picture taken. Uh, you've heard me say it, I'll say it again, you are an important part of our family. And if you're not in our family picture book, then an important piece of us is missing. So there's no sales this time, it's a really easy in and out, and you don't even need an appointment. You can come on in Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, anytime between two and eight o'clock. Just drop in and they'll be happy to take your picture. How many of you have done it already? Did it take longer than five minutes, anybody? I didn't think so. It's just a simple, well, your family, I wouldn't, I'm not surprised, right? Uh, a simple in and out. So we'd love it if, um, if you could just do that for us. And then, by the way, if you get your picture taken, you also get a free photo directory when they are printed later. So make sure you do that. Wednesday is the last chance for that. Then uh, Wednesday, you know, Thanksgiving is next week. Uh, that came on us fast, didn't it? So Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we're having a Thanksgiving meal at the Faith Ministry site at 5 o'clock. So if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, we wanted to do something for families that, you know, uh, couldn't be with other families and just didn't have a place to celebrate Thanksgiving and have a little turkey. So if you want to join us, there's information on that in your announcement bulletin. That's Wednesday at 5 o'clock at the Faith Ministry Center. Then you can join us for Thanksgiving worship. Uh, we do that Thanksgiving Eve, so Wednesday night at uh, 6.30 at the Faith Ministry Center. And then again on Thanksgiving Day at 9.30, we also have worship. Uh, there's a mistake in your announcement bulletin on the calendar section. It says Thursday Thanksgiving, Faith Church is closed. Well. The office is closed, but we're still having worship, Thanksgiving worship, Thanksgiving 9.30 at the Faith Ministry Center. So please feel free to join us for that. Um, then we are celebrating, uh, or just rejoicing in a great man today. Uh, we're doing this series called the Hall of Faith. We've been looking at these great men and women in the Old Testament or that God has used to do great things. And today we get to look at Daniel, a really amazing man who for 70 some years of his life was faithful and God used him to do some pretty amazing things. So we get to look at Daniel today in our hall of faith uh, together. So I can't wait to do that with you as well. 
All right, all that being said, it's time to worship our amazing God. So would you please stand? And fittingly, we begin with a song called Praise. And this is a new song. Um, you might have heard it as you were walking in um, this evening. And I mean, we'll hear in our gospel reading later that um, this is a good reminder to praise the Lord.
for too long on my own I wasn't created to bear it alone I hear your invitation to let it all go I see
Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? I hope you all pay attention to the words that we sing. It's not just a pretty song or a beautiful melody, but usually these words are chosen for a reason. And you know, this word, that the song that we just sang prepares us for confession. Because confession is what we just sang. It's running to the Father. It's coming to God and saying, God, I've messed up, I've sinned. And it's coming not with anything to barter with or anything to trade. We don't come running to the Father saying that you owe me or that, you know, I've done my best and so I deserve to be forgiven. But what do we do? We run to the Father, we confess our sins, and we fall into grace. It's a beautiful song, isn't it? It just expresses what confession and absolution is all about. So friends, let's run to the Father and let's fall into grace. Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and blood on the cross. And gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood as he bids us to do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pause now for a time of personal confession and reflection as we run to the Father and fall in his grace. Oh, it is indeed my joy as one of your pastors to announce the grace of God to you and to remind you again that you are so loved that there is nothing you could do that would ever separate you from that love. You are so loved that there's nothing God wouldn't give to forgive, restore, and bring you back. You are so loved that God gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you to take your sins upon himself so that you could hear these great words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You, my friends, are that loved, and because of Jesus, you are forgiven. Live in that grace and that forgiveness every moment of every day and share with the world the good news of that love. Amen. So let's sing about the great faithfulness of God that he shows us in Jesus Christ.
Now we turn to the word of the Lord, and we'll begin with the Old Testament reading from the book of Daniel, the sixth chapter. As you hear this whole beautiful story, uh, this is what we'll be talking about later. I'd like for you just to listen for the characteristics that made Daniel so outstanding. I'd also like for you to listen for some of the things that gave him courage to stand strong in some unbearable circumstances. From Daniel chapter 6. Now it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps. By the way, a satrap is just an administrator of a government uh, position of some sort. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. 
Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. This is the word of the Lord, and I can't wait to talk with you about it later. And now would you please rise as we hear the word of Jesus, uh, the words about Jesus himself from 1 John. Here we hear that Jesus was not just another good teacher, not just another man, but Jesus is the Son of God with God in the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Now there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, 
we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who was at the Father's side, has made him known. And this is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Now would be a great time for you to pull out your sermon outline that you received when you came in this evening. Well, you'll see as we work through this, I want to talk today about that great hero of the Hall of Faith, Daniel. And the title of the message is Standing Strong. David made a lifetime, excuse me, Daniel made a lifetime out of standing strong in the face of incredible adversity and threats. And I think there is so much that we can learn from Daniel in our lives, in our world, about how to stand strong in a world also that doesn't always agree with the word or the truth of God. So let's take a look at this great man, Daniel. Now, just a little background. By the time we're reading about the story of Daniel in the lion's den from Daniel chapter 6, Daniel is already an old man. He's 82 years old when these events are taking place. But at the very beginning of the book of Daniel, you might remember that Daniel was just 15 years old, a young boy, when he was taken from Jerusalem in the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians, and he was carried away into exile to Babylon. He was really a POW, a prisoner of war, captive to the, to the rulers in Babylon when he was 15. And then the next 70 years of Daniel's life are spent you know, sort of standing strong for God through three kings and two empires. In his lifetime, he saw three kings take power and he served, uh, with, he served these three kings and he saw two empires. The Babylonians, of course, that overtook Jerusalem and then later the Persians that destroyed the Babylonians. And what I think is absolutely fascinating is that somehow Daniel survived through all three of these kings and through these two empires. You know, that's not the way it worked in those days. When a new king took power, everybody that knew the old king either ran for their lives or was killed. But not Daniel. He seemed to always survive and thrive. In fact, if you read the book of Daniel, he is promoted again and again and again and given more and more power and more and more authority after each king, after each empire. In, in Persia, Cyrus the Great divides the kingdom into 120 uh, sort of provinces. Now, if you know your history, you know the nation of Persia was larger than the nation of Assyria and Babylon combined. It was huge. And this huge kingdom was divided into 120 provinces, and each province had a ruler called a satrap or an administrator. And of those 120 satraps, there were three governors, one of which was Daniel. Not only was Daniel, you know, sort of the ruler of 40 of these satraps, but you also heard that of the three governors, Daniel was promoted to be the head of all of them. 
In fact, the king wanted to make Daniel in charge of the entire kingdom. All of this happens when Daniel is 82 years old, after some 70 years of serving God through all these kings and kingdoms. I don't know about you, but it makes me go, what was it about Daniel? How was he able to survive? What was it that made him, you know, be able to be promoted and promoted through all of these kingdoms? And before I go into this next part of the outline, see, I just want to say, I really believe that the Bible doesn't just teach us about faith things. It doesn't just teach us, you know, how to, how to believe in God, but it also shows us how to live life in this world. It shows us the characteristics that God wants to use to accomplish his plan and purpose in the world. It shows how when God's people use their gifts and work hard to serve God, good things happen. Now, all that being said, don't you wanna know what was it about Daniel? What was it that made him so uh, valuable to all these kings in different empires? Well, three things I wanna just highlight for you that come out of our text today. How can, uh, why did Daniel stand out? Number one, his professional competence made him stand out. Look at the word of scripture from Daniel 6.3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself above all the other governors and administrators by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to put Daniel in charge of the entire kingdom. It's just clear, isn't it, that Daniel was a gifted leader. But more than that, if you read through the book of Daniel, he wasn't just a gifted leader, he was a lifelong learner. Daniel just loved to learn. He loved to learn about cultures. He loved to learn about people. He loved to learn about his God and how his God was working in his life. And he spent a lifetime learning. I think that's a, a real good life lesson for us, right? We never peak in our learning. We, we never stop learning, no matter how old we are. You know, I, I looked, I saw a study that female gymnasts for the Olympics peak when they're 17 or 18 years old. Don't tell Simone Biles that, she doesn't know that, right? Uh, NFL athletes, NFL players peak when they're 28 or 29 years old. You know when the peak is for your ability to learn? Never. There is no peak. No matter how old you are, you can continue to learn and grow in, in your gifts and in your knowledge of the Lord and how he's using you. Daniel is 82 years old. And you know, the lions then happens three years later. See, in, in 85 years of life, Daniel is still growing. Daniel is still learning. Daniel is still being used by God. His professional competence came from his insatiable need to learn and to grow. That's a good lesson for us, isn't it? The second reason that Daniel kept getting promoted, his personal character made him stand out. Look at the word from Daniel 6.4. When the administrators heard the news, they tried to find a reason to undermine Daniel in his work and accuse him of misconduct. <clears throat> but they were unable to do so they could not find anything to say against him. He was honest, reliable, hardworking, and incorruptible. He was never lazy or negligent in any task. No wonder he kept getting promoted. I wanna hire this guy, don't you? Who doesn't want someone like that working for them, uh, you know, building them up? He's a man of integrity, a man of generosity, a man of humility, a man of godliness, 
a man of kindness, a man of wisdom, right? It makes you wonder, or maybe it doesn't, why did the other satraps and governors wanna get rid of Daniel? I don't think it's hard to figure out, right? He was just too good. You know, they were jealous. He was taking the position they wanted. They wanted what he had. It works that way in the world sometimes, doesn't it? People just get jealous of those who succeed and do well. That was the case there. So they try to find something against him. But what could they find? Nothing. That statement is incredible. After 82 years of life, they could not find anything to say against him. It wouldn't take long for you to find some dirt in my life. How about you, right? Could they say of you they could not find anything to say against him? That's an incredible statement that if all those years they could find nothing to say against him. He was certainly standing out because of his personal character, his personal competence. And third is this, he stood out because of his public commitment to God. He didn't just have this personal competence or this personal character. He also was openly uh, willing to speak about his God, his faith and where his strength came from. He would pray regularly with the windows open. That's just a sign or a symbol that he wasn't hiding. He wasn't shy from sharing his faith. He spoke about it openly. In fact, the Bible tells us that he led King Nebuchadnezzar to faith. You know, he was constantly sharing his faith with people all the time. So what did they decide to do? When they couldn't find any dirt against him, they decided to use his strength against him. His co-workers concluded, our only chance of finding any grounds to get rid of Daniel will be to find something to accuse him in his religious practices. So didn't you love the little plan they cooked up? Those little weasels. It sounds just like our United States Congress to me is what it sounds like, right? They decided, well, let's uh, go to the king and butter him up. Oh, King Darius, you're so awesome. You're so amazing. Long live you, king, you're the best. In fact, you're so awesome. We believe that we should have a 30 days time of just praying and worshiping you and only you. They butter him up, you know, and they, they set this trap that you can only pray to the king for 30 days. And anyone who doesn't, What's the penalty? Thrown in the lion's den. And then, see, they're so smart. They say, because they knew that King Darius had a special relationship with Daniel. They said, you better write that in a law. You better sign it and make sure it's witnessed so that this law can't ever be changed. And sure enough, King Darius is loving the attention, the buttering up, he signs it in a law. And the rest, you know the story. Daniel <laughs> didn't obey the law, did he? In fact, I look at this, what did Daniel do? What could Daniel have done now that he had this law that you couldn't pray to anybody except King Darius for 30 days? Just look at his options, shall we? Number one, he could have just accepted the law and fake prayed to the king, right? That would have worked. Just get down on his knees and pretend that he was praying to the king, but really not. Second option would have been to protest the law with picket signs. Maybe, you know, picket the kingdom and have a chant, I won't pray, I won't pray. Could have tried that, but that wasn't a democracy. That wouldn't have worked very well, right? Third, he could have appealed privately to King Darius because they had that relationship. He said, come on, what's this all about? You know me, I'm faithful to you. 
but I can pray to you. You know, I'm Jewish. I can pray only to the one true God. He could have appealed to the king. Fourth, he could have just stopped praying to God for 30 days. I mean, 30 days without praying to God, then he could pray again after the 30 days, right? Or five, he could have kept on praying to God, but just do it in secret. But did he choose any of those five options? Nope. What does it say that he did? It said he kept praying in public as was his custom all of his life. So this begs the question. See, all of this leads to this one question I wanted to ask you. And I did that, what, in 10 minutes? Could have done it a lot faster if I just would have come out with it, right? How far are you willing to go to stand up for your faith in Christ? What would you be willing to do? What would you be willing to sacrifice? How far would you go to stand strong for Christ? Daniel goes all the way, doesn't he? He doesn't pray to King Darius. He continues to pray openly. Flip the page. How did Daniel respond to the plot? What did it say? When Daniel learned about the new law that he had signed, that was signed, he went home and knelt down to pray as usual in his upstairs room with its windows wide open in Jerusalem. See, he's not hiding it, is he? He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done his entire life, thanking and praising God. So Daniel's enemies went together to Daniel's house to catch him praying and asking for God's help. Just a little aside, wouldn't you love to have been there to see those satraps kind of hiding behind the bushes, peeking out for Daniel's window? Is he gonna pray today? Is he gonna pray today? You know, kind of hiding behind a bush, hiding behind a pole and peeking out from time to time. They're just waiting because they knew he was gonna do it. They knew he would not obey that law because for all of his life, he had been doing this, standing strong for God, and they knew he wouldn't fail this time. So here's the question. How could Daniel have such courage? How could he do that? How could he find the strength to stand strong against an edict that would send him into the lion's den? Well, check out your outline. Three things I think I wanna chat with you about. First of all, he remembered that God was faithful in the past. Daniel had, had 70 years of God's faithfulness. If you read through the book of Daniel, there are these eight giant tests that Daniel goes through. This is the eighth, right? The Daniel lines then is the eighth. That means seven times before that, God had been faithful to Daniel. When he was just 15 years old, he was told that if he didn't eat the food of the Babylonians, that he'd be killed. But he couldn't eat the food of the Babylonians because it was contrary to the Old Testament sacrificial law system. So he refused to eat the food, but God saved him. Another example is when he had to bow down to a statue of Nebuchadnezzar or die. He refused to do so, and God saved him. Another example, he was told to go to Belshazzar and tell him that he was going to get overthrown, that he was going to lose his kingdom because he failed to worship God. That's the way you get your head cut off. But God saved him. See, in the past, eight, seven times we have examples, and I bet there were a whole lot more. But seven we hear in the Bible, God was faithful to him in the past. God saved him in the past. God was there for them in the past when he stood strong. And because of that, he was confident that God would do so again. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get so angry at myself when I doubt something, when God has been so faithful to me in the past. Have you ever felt that way? Like, why am I fearful right now? God pulled me through that before. He's going to pull me through it again. 
Why am I questioning God right now? He has always been true and faithful in the past. He's going to be now as well. See, that's the reason that Daniel could have that kind of courage. Second, he had a conversation with God three times a day. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Don't you think that if you had a conversation with God three times a day for 82 years of your life, that you might be a little stronger in your faith? Do you think if you prayed to God three times a day for 82 years that you would be confident of God's working in your life? That you'd be more sure of what's right and wrong? That you'd be less insecure? That you'd less care about the disapproval of other people? That you'd be more in tune with God's will and purpose for you? Would you think? Three times a day for 82 years, he had a conversation with God. And so what does that mean? This box, again, if you remember one thing from the message today, look at the box under number two. The secret of standing strong is kneeling often. It's just true. The more you are in prayer, and prayer isn't just you speaking, but prayer is a relationship with God. It's you speaking and God speaking. It's you being aware of what he's doing and working in your life. It's you reading and studying his word as he speaks back to you. It's being in worship as he reaches down and touches you through the sacraments. All of that is this kneeling that makes our relationship with him stronger. The more you kneel in prayer, the stronger you're going to be able to stand. And finally, the third reason David was so courageous is he knew that the rewards were greater than any risk. He knew that following God and doing God's will was more rewarding than anything that could possibly be given him on this earth. Might there be punishment? Might he lose his life? Yes, but it wasn't as good as the eternal rewards that were waiting for him in heaven. I think that's important for us, as I wrote in your outline, because as America continues to change, there are going to be laws that you just can't abide by. There are going to be times when you need to stand strong like David did and just realize that the benefits of standing strong outweigh any of the risks. So I think the key to help in that is just to remember to focus not on the negative possibilities, but to focus on the benefits. I wanted to share with you a note. Someone emailed me a couple weeks ago, and I asked this person if it was okay if I shared, and they said, good, as long as you don't use my name. So I was teaching a Bible study in the Gospel of John, and we were talking about witnessing and sharing your faith and how important that is. And here's the email I received from this person. He said, Pastor Dan, I feel guilty and yet worried about the fact that I know I'm supposed to be a witness at work, but I've never ever told anybody at work that I'm a believer, that I'm a Christian, that I love Jesus. Never told anybody. I've never invited anybody to work, never invited anybody at work to church. Never. And then this person said, I have real mixed emotions on this. I I feel fearful what would happen if I did. I might lose my job. I might get demoted, not get promoted, and on and on and on. And then in the letter it said, shall I dare say it? I feel like a coward. There, I said it. I feel like a coward. Can you help me with this? Well, if somebody said that to you, sent you that email, what would you say? I think now we could look to to Daniel. We could look to Daniel and why was Daniel not a coward? Why was Daniel courageous? because he remembered that God was faithful in the past, 
because he remembered and that he had these conversations with God regularly. He was kneeling in prayer, had a relationship with God who was with him, and he knew that the rewards were greater than any risk. I hope you'll take that as well, for you to be courageous and to stand strong in your faith in this world. And then I just wanna close with this. What were the results of this courageous standing? The king believes. You didn't get to hear this in our text, but a little bit later, the king says that God, he is the God who rescues and saves. He has this great confession. And then did you know this? 14 generations later in Matthew chapter two, it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? Did you ever wonder where these folks in the east that's Babylon. Did you ever wonder where they heard about Jesus, the Messiah, the one who would come? Well, it's because of the courageous message of Daniel, standing strong for God. That word was preached and taught, and the king believed, and the kingdom, and the kingdom believed, and that faith carried on for 14 generations until the Magi come and kneel at the baby Jesus' feet. So standing strong, God uses that to do great things in the kingdom. So friends, God bless you as we learn the lessons of Daniel, right? How to use our gifts and how to stand strong faithfully. And then watch what God will do as he uses you to accomplish great things in the kingdom. Amen. Well, let's say thank you to God now for all that he has done for us and all that he gives us by the giving of our offerings. As the ushers come through with the baskets, I just wanna thank you for your giving. Uh, these are the gifts we use here at Faith to lift up the name of Jesus in our community. Also remember, it's the third week offering and all of the loose plate offerings today go to that clothing uh, feeding uh, across America. So a uh, clothing across America. So thank you for your giving.
And now let's bow our heads as we come to God and bring him our joys, our concerns, and our special prayers. We pray. Gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, God, I feel so blessed tonight that we were able to look at the life of Daniel, a man who stood strong, a man who gave you glory, honor, and praise no matter what, and a man you used to accomplish great things on this earth, things that still matter today. We pray that we may learn from his example and that we might also never be afraid to stand strong for you wherever it is that you call us, that you would give us that same courage and, and faith to believe and trust that you are at work through all things. God, tonight we pray for those who are struggling with illness. We pray for Pastor Leon Knid as he's dealing with pneumonia, for Marcy Denzin, for Betty Coachman, for Mary Renner, for Tammy, for Chris Schneider, and for those on our ongoing prayer list. Lord, we pray that you would bless them with the good gift of healing and that you would bless them with your love, presence, and care. Lord, we, we grieve with the family of Dale Stileski, who was, um, who was buried today. We pray for their grief, that you would give them hope of everlasting life, one for Dale and all who believe and trust in you, and a confidence that they will seal, that they will see Dale again one day. But we also want to celebrate tonight with Mark and Jane Savitas, who were blessed with a new little baby granddaughter. Her name is Emma. We pray that you would already begin to knit this family together in their love for you and their love for each other. Lord, we also close our prayer time just thanking you for the gift of the Lord's Supper, for the assurance of your love given and shown us as Jesus gave his body and blood for us on the cross and gives it again to us tonight for us to eat and drink for the forgiveness of our sins. May it assure us all the more of your great love for us in Christ. These and all things, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus, who himself taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, on the very night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, given for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This great meal gives us such peace, joy, and grateful thankfulness. So take a moment now to share that peace and joy with one another. Say hello to those around you before you are seated and come to the Lord's table.
Well, having received this great gift, would you please stand as we thank him for it? Friends, now may this true body and blood of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the true faith unto life everlasting. Go now in the peace, joy, and great forgiveness of your God. Amen. And as you go, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and forever give you his peace. Amen. the king there's a reason why the curse of sin is broken there's a reason why the darkness runs from light there's a reason why we stand here now forgiven Jesus is alive
death for Israel's sin.